This episode is brought to you by Bumble. So you want to find someone you're compatible with, specifically someone who's ready for a serious connection, totally open to having kids in the future, is a tall rock climbing Libra, and loves rom-coms with vegan pizzas on Tuesdays just as much as you do. Bumble knows that you know exactly what's right for you. So whatever it is you're looking for, Bumble's features can help you find it. Date now on Bumble. Knock that fire down, 19. Copy, Captain. Let's move. ABC Thursdays. Firefighters, we're family. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. The subject has explosive chemicals. Get down! With fiery romances. You're the love of my life. And Andy is finally in charge. I'm going to be the best damn captain the station has ever seen. Station 19. All new Thursdays, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Forever. A hot fairy tale. This week on the podcast, William Goldman's The Princess Bride. Welcome to Teen Creeps, the podcast that discusses why pulp fiction. I'm one of your hosts, Lindsay Katai. I'm another one of your hosts, Kelly Nugent. And we continue Fantasy February today with The Princess Bride by William Goldman. Um, and like supposedly by a writer named S. Morgenstern. Mm-mm. And also by like partially, like abridged by as abridged by William Goldman. Mm-hmm. The good parts version as mm-hmm. abridged by William Goldman, which is all um just part of the story. It is not, it is purely a William Goldman creation. It's just layered with this like concept that he is translating a Florinese book, mm-hmm. Florin being the land this book takes place in, and also a fictional country. Um, yeah. So I had read this before in college, and mm. I grew up on the movie, mm. obsessed with the movie, one of my favorite movies of all time. Um, mm. I still would say it's one of my favorite movies of all time. Wow. Um, I loved the book in college. Mm. Less so now. Yeah. Yeah. I was pretty annoyed by it. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, William Goldman, get the fuck out of here. I don't need your commentary. I don't need this constant interrupting. Get on. I didn't need his. Yeah. Go ahead. No, I just, I didn't need his interruptions. And I also like. I, I know that he is not supp- he's not supposed to be a good person. Like this is it's him playing himself. And but it's a not very his real self. Right. It's like a self-critical kind of like character. Like he's However, playing a, a writer named William Goldman as well. <laughs> right. Yes. However, there were just like certain things about that character that I was like, okay. Like yeah. he was very like Harvey Weinstein, like kind of gross like when he meets that that um the actress. whole intro oh, is Jesus. so obnoxious like yeah. so um i guess let's let's go ahead and read the back of the book which is like very uh short on description do you have it uh why don't you read it okay uh i mean it's truly so short one sentence here Actually, no, this is a 
I'll read both. So on the back of the book, it says, what happens when the most beautiful girl in the world marries the handsomest prince in the world and he turns out to be a son of a bitch? And then on the inside, as a boy, William Goldman claims he loved to hear his father read the S. Morgenstern classic, The Princess Bride. But as a grown-up, he discovered that the boring parts were left out of good old dad's recitation and only the good parts reached his ears. Now Goldman does dad one better. He's reconstructed the good parts version to delight wise kids and wide-eyed grown-ups everywhere. What's it about? Fencing, fighting, true love, strong hate, harsh revenge, a few giants. There's only one giant. Lots of bad men, lots of good men, five or six beautiful women, beasties monstrous and gentle, some swell escapes and captures, death, lies, truth, miracles, and a little sex. In short, it's about everything. A little okay. sex. There was no sex. Zero sex. Zero sex. Huh? The, I mean, also, okay. I am of the school of thought that if you introduce anything, it has to matter. Mm-hmm. Okay. So his whole thing about having this story that it was his and his dad's, right? He's like, my dad read it to me when I was like recovering from pneumonia and like we didn't connect on much, but like we did connect on this and I loved my dad so dearly. And this version that I am now abridging for children everywhere was the version that my dad basically wrote for me, abridged for Mm -hmm. me in reading it, right? Mm -hmm. So I was like, okay, he's like completely disconnected from his son. Like we meet the son He's real shitty about the sun. Really weird. <laughs> really weird and shitty about, and like fat phobic and like just like mean and like whatever. Constantly talking about how his son is fat and like sucks and is yeah. a dud. And I mean, talking about how his wife is like not beautiful uh, and too smart and like gives him shit too much. And and, and, and he's a psychiatrist and, and is like too smart for for her for his bullshit good and and like makes his life kind of annoying because of it. <laughs> yes. And so so like all of this, right? And this story is one that A is about love, right? And B is one that he and his father connected on. I was like, oh, is he going to, in abridging this story? learn something about maybe that he's shitty to his kid and and that he is shitty to his wife or something. We don't get any of that. It's just him being like, okay, and that's the story that I'm going to tell. And I don't change at all. It, it, it just, it's, it's merely, it's a comic book. There's no lesson. Like we have come off part. I think part of the problem, at least for me anyway, this was my, um, interpretation of my feelings about it is that we have come off reading The Never-Ending Story and The Last Unicorn, both gorgeous books that that also comment on the story from within the story in mm-hmm. a beautiful, poignant, touching way that gets at like the nature of storytelling and humanity and kindness and true bravery and and what people mean to each other. And then this is a pure comedy all the stuff in the intro is not about the story itself he's being a comedian yeah it's not supposed to matter he never intended it to matter it's not like he failed in making it matter it's just that i realized maybe like halfway through the intro that i was like oh this just like isn't the type of 
book I'm into anymore. Well, I'm going to make a comparison, which is perhaps unfair because it, I'm comparing a book to one of my favorite movies of all time. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm going to compare it to, and I, because I think that there's a similar kind of like, j the, the main character is very jaded, is very, uh, you know, a, a bad person, mm -hmm. um, but does change still. And the, 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 the device with which we learn this story has payoff is the movie sunset boulevard we have have you seen it oh yeah okay how dare so, you <laughs> so and i know it's unfair because they are different genres but i think in general they do the same thing which is like this person who is like entrenched in the industry and is fed up with the industry and is and is like very like hollywood kind of piece of shit right is then working on a project, talking about the project, and then comes out of it, person one comes out of it changed and then dead. And then person, and it's, it, you know, it has like a little bit of a more somber tone to it by the end. And then person two comes out of it and is like, and that's the story and I abridged it. And it just, I don't, I, I think you can be comic and silly and still matter. Like you can still make choices that pay off and matter. And like, I just the problem felt is he, like, that was not an interest of his. This is like a very no. like Catskills humor. Like witty, it was very humorous. It, it's humorous. It's very surface level. It is purely an adventure story. That is it. He had no intention of making his own narrator character matter. But I just and I think feel that like, you and I are just like that leaves us feeling a little bit empty. Yeah. And I think maybe it's like very uh, my way or the highway for me to think this, but I think everything should matter no matter what. Like, even if it's just a silly story, like he still has like a thesis. He still has something that he says, which is supposedly supposedly he tells us he does. And he I like, didn't feel that at all. No, at the end, he's like, and that's why, because there are no such thing as like happy endings. And like, this is what actually life happens. And life is just life. I it the just, movie is so much better. For all that I'm annoyed by the Fred Savage Columbo parts, and I keep saying <laughs> Columbo, but his name is Peter Falk. He's great. <laughs> I am annoyed by that framing. Mm. It is a thousand times less annoying to me than the framing in this book. He keeps interrupting himself to supposedly be more wacky. But all and of the to, like, interruption, I was about like, the story. there are too many bits in this book from you. I need mm -hmm. you to like take a step back. I was enjoying the jokes. Your mm -hmm. jokes about your own jokes, I am finding very annoying. Mm -hmm. You really think you're very cute and I'm not finding you cute. Yeah. I mean, I just, and also, I mean, I just had trouble connecting to a lot of these characters just because they didn't, they just felt. It it felt like when people like defend certain children's television and be like, well, it's for kids, so it doesn't need to matter. And I'm like, oh my God, there's plenty of children's television that matters, that like that all the characters are fleshed out and that we like you know what I mean? Like it just felt very I, I don't I, I don't know how to describe when, it. Empty. Because the movie doesn't feel like that at all. I am feeling the romance in the movie. I'm feeling the love in the movie. You're really rooting for everybody. And in this, it's like really skimming. So I, 
Maybe he's just a better screenwriter than he is novelist. I mean, he's behind some of the most famous movies. Yes, I mean, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, All the President's Men. Yeah. um, Marathon Man, which I've never seen, but is on the list. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, I forget the other ones, but so many movies. Mm -hmm. Oscar winning movies. Mm -hmm. Truly, The Princess Bride is such an enjoyable movie because it has all of the humor but within a very sincere story. Mm -hmm. And there's just not really any sincerity in this book. No, no. And, and I, I, I guess I like minorly enjoyed myself. Like I was, I wasn't having a bad time reading the book. I was just reading it. I think I was like at neutral for most of it. And then Mm -hmm. I was like, Oh, okay. Like this is kind of funny. And like, Oh, I I remember like, so as I've said before, I have not seen The Princess Bride uh, in full. I've I saw it while very drunk. And so like I don't like this was years ago. I, I don't really remember much about it. Um, I have my own like weird kind of like negative energy. And this is all within myself um, for The Princess Bride just because it felt like there were a lot, and this, I don't mean to say that this is everybody that loves the Princess Bride. Of course not, because you love the Princess Bride and you're not like this. <laughs> Thank you. But there were a lot of like really terrible white people that I knew growing up that like fucking loved the Princess Bride. Like mm-hmm. fucking loved it and would like, I don't know. I just, I remember like certain people that like brought me a lot of strife in my life, like really pushing (laughs) me to watch that movie. And so I just have this like negative feeling towards it. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure that like, once I watch it, I'll be like, okay, that was like silly. Like, why did you like, of course there are bad people can like good things, right? Like they don't understand (laughs) it. But that's, I mean, such as being alive. People you don't like Mm -hmm. can taint things. And I do definitely see how it is like, and I can't even describe it, but somehow I know exactly what you mean by it's like a very white people movie. Mm -hmm. I don't know why I understand what you mean because I'm trying to put it into words and I just can't. I guess it's just the the hard enthusiasm and it it's an an enthusiasm shared by men and women alike for some reason yeah i don't know but i i hope that when you watch it that gets washed away because i find it to be a very charming movie and i just hope that these assholes have not ruined that for you but (laughs) if they did you know what oh well shit happens (laughs) yeah i mean there's a million movies in the world Mm mm-hmm it's it's not the end of all time. Yeah, there are other movies for you to enjoy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I yeah, I I I I'm trying. I'm I want to be very open minded. And honestly, so reading the book, I was actually pleasantly surprised because I thought it was going to be a lot of bullshit. There is a little bit of racismo. Oh yeah, uh, that occurs in the book. Truly, like um, the listener who first uh, who tweeted at us about it. Um, dead on with that intro. A lot yeah. of fat shaming. And then fat shaming throughout the book. Um, throughout the book, fat shaming. And um, I would say the most egregious example of racism is in the intro when he says that if you 
he the character of William Goldman in this book is married to a psychiatrist named Helen and they have a fat son named Jason. And mm-hmm. about Jason, he says that if you should I even say it? It's very offensive. So I mean, I'll, I'll say it. Should okay. I say it? It's okay. Sure. I'm Asian. Sure. I'll say it. So this motherfucker says, <laughs> if you paint my son yellow, he could like win sumo re- uh, competitions. And I was like, oh, dude. So that sucked. Um, uh, but the thing is him. I think the character of William Bo- Goldman being a shitty husband is intentional. Because Mm -hmm. he does not have a wife named Helen. He had a wife named Eileen. He did not have a son named Jason. He had two daughters. So that's totally invented. However, I do think it's like he he's knowingly setting up that this other version of himself has this different life. But he's still making fat jokes. He's still making racist comments. He's still like being cute and winky about how he could have slept with this starlet if he weren't like so distracted by trying to get the princess bride copy for his son's 10th birthday who then like doesn't even read it and just wants to eat his mashed potatoes because he's so fat 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 yeah and uh, honestly the i i think there's also an issue that i have when when a character when our main character right who we're supposed to be seeing everything yeah when 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 our he he is like the lens through which we see this story truly because yeah, he's he, abridging it he is unfortunately the main character unfortunately i you wish the main so. character were wesley or buttercup nope mm-hmm. it's kind of the author mm-hmm. and when you have a main character who we are supposed to be rooting for for some i, I and i and i, and I I'm hesitant to, okay, I'm going to make this argument and then I'm going to clarify because I think people will be like, well, are you saying that characters can't be racist? That's not true. Yes. But when you have a character who like is supposed to be a bad, like kind of slimy guy, but we're supposed to still keep rooting for him. I think there's like certain types of personality problems and beliefs that I cannot look past. For example, is the person a rapist? Is the person a racist? Like those things, for some reason, I'm like, well, I'm not interested in this person's redemption arc or whatever. If, if, if we are supposed to be, and I think this is the case, looking at this person and going, ah, what a scoundrel, you know, not like, oh man, I hope this person really fucking learns their lesson. No, we're supposed so, to think he's funny. We're not supposed to yeah. think. Like, we're supposed to think he's shitty about his wife and son. That is true. But we're also supposed to laugh at it. And I just don't find it funny at, at, in this, the year of our COVID Lord 2021. Yeah. Yeah. All praise spore. <laughs> the, the, the year of our the year, spore 2021. The year of our spore 2027. Spore <laughs> world goes a little faster. Um. Uh-huh. It's it. But yeah. So do you see what I'm saying? Like, I don't want to say because I also don't like when people are like that show is racist because that character's racist because it's, it's here when it's the author. A character can be racist. The author can't be racist. William Goldman thinks he's being funny and I don't find it funny. And by William yes. Goldman, I don't mean the character William Goldman. I mean the author William the Goldman. The author. Yes. Like he, we're like, supposed to think he's terrible about his wife. But I don't think that we're supposed to find the painting yellow 
joke terrible. I think we're supposed I think we're to supposed find to be it like, funny. Ha ha ha. Yeah. And I don't. Here's okay. I'm about to make a statement that's controversial. Capital C. Okay. <laughs> Hit me. Okay. I think. Oh man, do I want to say this because I want to work <laughs> in this industry? Okay. <clears throat> I think that the character Michael Scott mm-hmm. ooh, made do it. it. Huh? I said, ooh, do it. <laughs> brought us directly to a Trump presidency. <laughs> That's what I think. <laughs> Truly, because, okay, we have this boss who's like completely like inept, completely inept and like does all of this like very racist shit a lot, right? And makes all these characters, um, these characters of color, other like, you know, side characters, whatever, uncomfortable with what he does. However, everybody still loves him. And that came from the American desire to make, you know, even this make him more endearing. Right. Mm-hmm. Because if you look David at the Brent is not the same. Right. If you look at the English version, everyone is a lot more terrible the whole time. And so I think the thought of and, and I'm speaking from experience, I don't I don't know if everybody else felt this way, but I remember being in that time and having bosses and stuff that were like, you know, would say racist things about me or whatever, or like, you know, sexist things. And I remember being like laughing it off and being like, oh my God, aren't they crazy? Instead of like, fuck, you can't fucking talk to me like that. Yeah, we're in a post Michael Scott world now. Yes. And I think... People looked at fucking Donald Trump when he was running for president and they were like, wow, he just says that, you know, he says all these people outrageous respect things. the fact that he says whatever he thinks as opposed yes. to like what he thinks is shitty. Yes. And I don't mean to, I think Michael, I think that, you know, um, Steve Carl did a wonderful job playing Michael Scott. He, he is a very, very, very good actor. Um, I just think that that so much represented and so it's perhaps not an indictment on the show itself, but rather the like culture that it existed in. Well, it's sort of like the viewers weren't as responsible as they needed to be over their own reactions. Yes. Yes. Um, because I know that the show The Office is very cringy, but I think like the cringy funny ratio was different if you watched it when it was airing versus when you watch it now. Mm hmm. Yeah, because like there's a lot of stuff that he does that you're just like, fuck, dude. I mean, I know you mean well, but like, like, how can you mean well when you do something this fucking racist? You know, like there's Mm -hmm. multiple times that he does racist shit that I, I just feel like that's really that's not a oh, you rascal type of behavior. That is more That is somewhere you should be drawing a line and you, and they don't. Yeah. Because like, I think in general, right? It's like, we're all becoming more aware of where the line should be. At the time we were wrong about where the line is. I'm sure in another five years, we'll have been wrong about where the line is now. But Mm -hmm. it like, you walk a fine line between like trying to understand where the culture was and excusing where the culture was yeah 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 and i i think right like i i think if we had just had you can show a character being selfish and self-absorbed and like an asshole in a different 
way, right? Like he could just like well, not no like his son because he it. thinks his son is boring. Like, you know what I mean? Like, or he could like not like his wife because she sees through all his shit, but he's too much of a chicken shit to leave. Like that, I think is okay. Whereas he's like, ah, she's too smart for a woman. And it's like, all right. Like, oh God, the buttercup treatment. Oh boy. The buttercup, buttercup the was done is, wrong in this. Buttercup is, is, uh, done justice in the film. Thank God. Is um, she? Okay. Because I yeah. was like, wow. Like buttercup is still basically the same sort of like dreamy character, but there is not the constant putting down of her intellect. Well, it's because there's no comment. Like, I assume we don't have William Goldman doing a bunch of VO about how stupid she is in the movie. Well, I mean, Fred Savage and Peter Falk do interrupt constantly. But uh, I was amazed to discover that I hated these interruptions more than that. But they're only (laughs) interrupting to comment on the story, not to like. It's just the little kid, much like he taught William Goldman interrupting his um, translation of the princess bride to be like and when I was a little boy this is the part where I stopped my dad and I said like no she can't have married Prince Humperdinck you read it wrong. right right so in the movie so it's the little boy happens. doing that Fred Savage just goes grandpa you're reading it wrong so the grandpa is just reading a story to the boy yeah he's sick and so the grandpa comes over and he's reading much like the dad was reading it to okay Goldman. so it's kind of that okay yes Okay, And so you're following, luckily, instead of having the author interrupt the story, you are just getting the story of a kid having this read to him when he's sick, and it's way better. Okay. okay. And there's none of the like, and Buttercup was a real dumb-dumb and didn't know the word syllable. Oh, man. When she doesn't know the word syllable, <laughs> I was she like... she says syllabub. And then he like, is like, oh, yeah, syllabub. I, I was just like, I don't know. I did. I... It's not like that in the movie. And maybe maybe there are a couple jokes about it that I'm not thinking of, but it's not like this. Buttercup is a better character. They're not like at the end of the movie being like, Buttercup, you stupid idiot. Just do as you're told. What was right, that right, right. about? That was so annoying. So also, yeah, the, she gets better treatment. Is she the only female character still? Yes. <laughs> but she gets better treatment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so so why don't we go over the story really quick, just in case there are people like me out there that are not mm-hmm. familiar with the details Which of the story. Never, I knew the general we never ended up doing with the last unicorn, so our apologies. Oh yeah, well, <laughs> go read the book. Go watch the find movie. a Wikipedia page. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, we as we said, William Goldman is introing this story. This is a tale that his foreign father read to him as a boy when he was sick he really had to track it down realized when he tracked it down that his dad had cut out all the boring parts of the book and it's like kind of funny because it's like what you're getting is a fantasy book from a man who hates fantasy because Mm -hmm. whenever he interrupts he's like and now i'm cutting out 80 pages all about the history of florian and the different like game of thrones style takeovers that were happening and the joke is that S. Morgan Stern, the man who actually wrote The Princess Bride, was very anti-royalty and everything was like satire and blah, blah, blah. Although the irony for me is that every time he interrupted, I was like, you telling me that you're cutting out the boring parts is boring to me. Yeah, Just I was, don't do it. 
truly i was like okay i mean i get what he was doing where he's like i'm gonna give this fun little commentary about how mm-hmm. all of this you know 40 pages of her packing and then eight pages of her unpacking and blah 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 and i and and i get i think this was intentional where it's like okay I mean, this w- this little aside was basically as long as me having to read about them packing and unpacking. That's exactly how I felt. It's like yeah. the irony is that you've now created your own boring part. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So anyway, he keeps interrupting with these bits. The and the funniest that those bits get is. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. as funny as it gets. So I literally, I don't think I laughed out loud once. Like I think I was like, eh. like. <laughs> One time. Oh, yeah, and, and I, think I, I can I, tell I you think the time. I laughed out loud once. Yeah. I I chuckled once and it was when he was complaining about uh someone saying that it's an, uh uh anachronistic uh that um that the some something It's like some, Europe this was before Europe but after Paris type no, comments. N- no, the um Oh, the they, uh, they sound Jewish the glasses or something. Oh, yeah, the Miracle Max. Right, and then he yeah. goes through and is like talking about putting bifocals in Butch Cassidy. So there, I was like, okay, like that was like <laughs> the most funny. I felt I felt that was occurring, and it was like maybe a three, maybe a three out of ten. I that was unfortunately not the spot I laughed at. What spot did you laugh at? I don't remember. Great. <laughs> hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to sixty percent on hotels. So whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin, or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. Here's something that's missing from the movie that I appreciated, but I'm not sure if it's the point I laughed at. It's when we get the backstory on Inigo and his father being killed. We actually get a, a his upbringing with his father. Oh, yeah. Um, his father, Domingo, like they lived in the hills. He wanted complete anonymity because he was this master swords maker, like the best swordsmith in the world. And but he didn't want to be constantly pestered for jobs. He only wanted to take the jobs where he felt like he was doing art. And so but he had this friend that he grew up with. Um, I forget the his father does name. Yeah, the father had this friend that he grew up with who is also a master swordsmith, just not as like talented. Something like Yemen or something like Yeah, him. I wanted to say Yellen, but that's the guy at the end. Yes, um, which I got confused because I was like, oh, the sword guy's here? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so, so the friend comes into town and they always do this like ritual bit together where the friend comes to town and he's like, I need this certain sword and only you can do it. And the friend's like, I'm not doing it. And he's like, very well, I must kill myself then because I couldn't possibly make this sword. And then the dad is like, fine, fine, I'll do it. And he's like, oh, thank you. I didn't feel like killing myself today. 
Um, yeah. And then he like brings in this like sumptuous feast from his wagon. And they do that every time where he's like, no, I refuse. And he's like, I must kill myself then. I'll take the job. Ha 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 ha. We're friends. Yeah. And I, I just sort of enjoyed the like cute little friendship there and how Inigo would watch and, and laugh and think it was really fun. And yeah. And then I also liked that part. And then the count, the six fingered band comes and orders a sword specifically built for him. And he kills the dad when the dad like won't accept a higher payment than he even wanted. He like he's insulted that the six fingered man tries to haggle, even though he was asking for far less money than the six fingered man was even offering. Yeah, it was just like that's the level of his commitment to his art. Right. Well, because they had they had agreed on an amount. The six fingered man leaves, comes back and is like, I'm not paying for this. That's what happens. He's like, I'm not paying for this because this isn't that great of a sword. And he's like, what are you talking about? This is an amazing sword. Uh, And the guy's like, I don't want to I don't I don't want to pay for it. And he was like, how dare you? And then he kills him because the six fingered man is the count. Correct. Yes. The count who uh, works with Prince Humperdinck. And he's like the torture guy. He's like, it's he likes to study pain or something, right? Yeah, he's obsessed with studying pain. Great. Okay. Um, I I don't even (laughs) know if they did agree on a price, though, that he like refused to give a price. No, well, so he was like, I'm going to pay you like this much. And the guy's like, no, I won't do it for that much. And he keeps haggling him down or something, right? The dad. And yeah. then and then he's like, the the account is like, okay, well, let me at least leave this one gold piece. So he leaves this one gold piece. And then he's like, I'll, uh, the sword, the dad, sword dad says, come back in a year. He leaves. Oh, yeah, you're right. They agree on 500 yeah. pieces of gold. And then he comes back and he's like, I'm not paying that. I'll pay like 200. Mm-hmm. And the dad's like, I worked well, on no. this for yeah. a year. Like, no, then I'm not going to sell it to you. And he's like, oh, come on. Uh, uh, 200 is a good amount of money. Like, take that. And he's like, and he's like, no. you're saying my sword is worthless. He's like, no, I'm saying it's worth 200. And he's like, how could you just um, be so rude to me? Blah. And then the six fingered man is like, fine, fine. You can have all the 500. He's like, no, the fact that you even started to haggle with me is an insult to my art. And then the six fingered man is like, I'm killing you. Yeah, and he kills him. Yeah. And then, and then poor Inigo, little Inigo. Yeah. Studies uh, uh, fencing until he is like at the wizard level of <laughs> fencing instead of he's not just a master. He's a wizard. Right. Um. So anyway, that's Inigo's story. So I think I, I was like charmed by that. But I yeah, don't even know if that's that the part story. I laughed out loud at. Um. But we don't get that entire plot of his upbringing in the movie so like that's Mm. that was a nice addition oh okay so uh, yeah i'm interested to watch it to see what we actually do get you just get him telling the story to wesley oh okay and so then in the as opposed to in the book where he sees the 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 count with his six fingers Mm -hmm. and he and he's like oh weird six fingers and then he gets knocked out in the movie it's he sees um the six-fingered man, he goes, I know a guy who's looking for you. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. That's funny. It's just a more charming <laughs> piece of work. Um, also, was the Carrie screenplay Ellis written by him? a god in that movie. Uh, yeah, it was written by him. 
Okay. It's just a vast improvement. I don't know if it's that he's a better, and it really, most of it, it is, this is practically like reading this screenplay. Yeah. Except for it gets improved upon. Like the things that you're annoyed by in the book Mm -hmm. do not happen in the movie. Okay. So, hooray. Hooray. But so Um, anyway, we get this whole story about how he was read this as a little kid. So on to the story itself. Princess Buttercup, or not even princess yet. Buttercup is a farm girl. She is very pretty. She has the potential to be the most beautiful woman in the world, but she's not quite there yet. There is a farm boy. She orders him around. That's Wesley. Every time she orders him to do something, he says, as you wish. Meanwhile, Buttercup is getting more beautiful by the day. Men right, are coming first from she all was over like to the see 20th, her. Then mm-hmm. she's like the 15th. And so people are starting to treat her differently. And the count comes from far, far away just to see Buttercup pretending that like he wants the secret to how her dad is raising his cows, even though he's not even very good at raising the cows. Oh, this is the part I was laughing at. Oh, uh, the cow realizing how she's how jealous she is of the countess. Yeah, I like that. That's a really funny part that you don't get in the movie. Um, oh, that one's great. It's what makes her realize like what was in front of her the whole time. Yes. And it's very it's funny, funny and cute because oh, that's the part I was laughing out loud at. That whole section is actually very funny. I liked that section a mm-hmm. lot. So the count comes. The countess is there. The countess is very taken with Wesley. So she's like, oh, show me show me how you feed these cows since like these cows are supposedly so great. Like she but knows really, exactly she just- why they're there. <laughs> Yeah, and also, like, she wants to look at Wesley, like, do physical labor. So yeah. <laughs> she's like, why don't you show me, uh, which is very funny. Uh-huh. And also, the count is kind of like, mm. <laughs> it's like, whatever. Well, I'll he's watch like, Buttercup, he, he's like, watch Wesley. Right, and I also like that later he's like, just seems like normal way to feed cows, which yeah. I thought was also very funny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so Buttercup is seeing the countess look at Wesley and she's seeing Wesley look at the Countess because she's very beautiful and dressed um, very extravagantly and she's very glamorous. Um, and just the way it's written of, of Buttercup realizing how jealous she is because she had only so ever abused off. Wesley. Yeah. Um, so then she she's like, I'm very tired. I have to go to bed. She doesn't realize. She's like being so bitchy to everybody. Yes. So funny. This says, Buttercup went to her room. She lay on her bed. She closed her eyes. And the Countess was staring at Wesley. It was like every time I liked the cutting between like she was having a thought and then the very next sentence would be whatever she was picturing in her mind with like no transition. You're just suddenly thrust into the it vision like she is. Very cinematic, uh, which mm-hmm. is, I mean, exp- explained by the fact that he's a screenwriter because like Mm -hmm. that whole part i was like oh this is very written as if it's a movie yeah um so this is and the countess was staring at wesley buttercup got up from bed she took off her clothes she washed a little she oh and i like the detail that she like hates bathing and is kind of disgusting yeah (laughs) even though she has potential to be the most beautiful woman in the world she got into her nightgown she slipped between the sheets snuggled down closed her eyes the countess was still staring at wesley Buttercup threw back the sheets, opened her door. She went to the sink by the stove and poured herself a cup of water. She drank it down. She poured another cup and rolled its coolness across her forehead. The feverish feeling was still there. 
How feverish. She felt fine. She was 17 and not even a cavity. She dumped the water firmly into the sink, turned, marched back to her room, shut the door tight, went back to bed. She closed her eyes. The countess would not stop staring at Wesley. Why? Why in the world would the woman in all the history of Florin, who was an always perfect, be interested in the farm boy? And then it's this whole bit. She's like, okay, sure. She has, he has like eyes like the sea and beautiful tan skin and like he's muscular, but that's from all the slaving he does. So like who even cares? I know. When she's like, okay, yes, he has like great perfect teeth and like his tan skin really like brings them out. Okay, yes, but like who cares? He's tan from the sun. Yeah. From working. And like oh, who, who, what? Like, okay, fine. It must be the teeth. I guess it's the teeth. Like yeah, his teeth are unusually teeth. beautiful. So that must be it. Okay, I'm going to go back to bed. Oh, God. Wesley is now staring at the countess. And so she's <laughs> just getting more and more crazed in bed. She can't sleep. She's flailing and thrashing. She hates them both. She's like, she's so old. And blah, blah, blah. She'd never see 30 again. And her dress looked ridiculous out in the cow shed. And that was fat, too. And she's just... And then she... <laughs> And it says, it, it was a very long and very green night, as in green with jealousy. She was outside his hovel before dawn. Inside, she could hear him already awake. She knocked. He appeared, stood in the doorway. Behind him, she could see a tiny candle, open books. He waited. She looked at him. Then she looked away. He was too beautiful. I love you, Buttercup said. I love and that she like, starts out with, I love you. Yeah, just immediately. She's like, I love you more every second. Last night, I thought I loved you as much as anybody could love anybody. But this morning, I woke up and I realized that that was a fucking joke compared to how much I love you now. And she's just going on and on. <laughs> and he just shuts the door in her face. And she's like, what the fuck? What that? that? That's like so mortifying. Yeah. And she was like, I know. It's because like if he had opened his mouth to speak because he's so fucking stupid he would have said something stupid and he knows he would have said something stupid so that's why he didn't speak and a second later she's like he's not stupid he's like really smart and i i'm lying to myself and blah 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 it's so cute it's and so then cute. he comes to her door and this i think is where i was laughing a lot um <laughs> it was dusk when she heard footsteps outside her door then a knock buttercup dried her eyes Another knock. Whoever is that? Buttercup yawned finally. Wesley. Buttercup lounged across the bed. Wesley, she said. Do I know any West? Oh, farm boy. It's you. How droll. She went to her door, unlocked it, and said in her fanciest tone, I'm ever so glad you stopped by. I've been feeling just ever so slummy about the little joke I played on you this morning. Of course, you knew I wasn't for a moment Stop. serious. Or at least I thought you knew. But then just when you started closing the door, I thought for one dreary instant that perhaps I'd done my little jest a little bit too convincingly. And poor dear thing, you might have thought I meant what I said when, of course, we both know the total impossibility of that ever happening. <laughs> She's her tricks. <laughs> A full panic mode. She's full like flop sweat, dry throat. It's like, okay, because this is what it's reminding me of. It reminds me of like when, ugh, like, honestly, it's reminding me of that time that I told you about when I AIM'd that guy and tried oh, to like yeah. <laughs> cyber sex him. And he was like, no. And I, like that moment where you're like, <laughs> so funny. isn't that the funniest joke you've ever fucking heard? Like, yeah, of course not. <laughs> <laughs> like that where you're like, oh my God, my funny jest. It's so funny. Oh the, my God, joke. the funniest of jests. 
Um, but yeah. you knew it was a jest, right? Jesting. We jest all Oh my the time. God. You thought I was serious? You're an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> you fucking stupid idiot. I could never. And then he says, I've Horrible. come to say goodbye. Buttercup's heart bucked, but she still held to fancy. You're going to sleep, you mean, and you've come to say goodnight? How thoughtful uh, of you, farm oh my boy. God, oh my God. Showing me that you forgive me for my little morning's tease. I certainly appreciate your thoughtfulness. And he cut her off. I'm leaving. Leaving? The floor began to ripple. She held to the doorframe. Now? Yes. Because of what I said this morning? Yes. I frightened you away, didn't I? I could kill my tongue. She shook her head and shook her head. Well, it's done. You've made your decision. Just remember this. I won't take you back when she's done with you. I don't care if you beg. Because she thinks he's going to the Countess. And and then, no, I'm just going to make my fortune so that we can get married. And then they're just like in love and making out. And it's it's wonderful. But I just really liked Buttercup's just total agony for a full day of just <laughs> the scene of her trying to pretend she was joking. Uh, it, that's I mean, we've I been laughed. there. We've been there. I did laugh at that as well. Yes, actually. So I hard related to that. Oh, yes. Um, yeah, I I liked that part. Um, then, okay, wait. So then, then he oh, goes off. She gets right. more and more beautiful because she wants to be pretty for him when he sends for her to move to America. Um, and then, oh, so then she, uh. Gets she comes home one day and her parents are like really upset and she's like, What's up? And they are like, Uh, he's dead. And she's like, You mean he's like sleeping? And they're like, <laughs> No, he is D E D dead, 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 dead. He's dead. He died, uh, because the dread pirate Roberts killed him. And, and we all know that the dread pirate Roberts never leaves survivors, so he couldn't possibly right. be alive. And she like goes to her room and cries, cries, cries. And then she comes out and she seems fine. And she's more beautiful than ever because now she has character because she lost somebody she loves. And she just says, mm-hmm. I will never love again. Yep. And then um, the prince, what's his name? Prince um, Humperdinck. Humperdinck uh, is about to become king because his dad is like super sick. So he's like, shit, I got to like get married. Um, and at first he wants to marry this girl. She's oh a princess a, in Gilder, yes. a neighboring country, and it's like oh good now our two countries will be aligned. La la okay. la. She no, has a so huge you know hat how, collection. Yeah, you know hat how you and collection. I were laughing at like the cuteness of the scene before. Mm-hmm. This whole bit is supposed to be comedic, and I felt negative humor. Yeah, this this was one of those, uh, another one of those moments where I was like, this is mean. Yeah, it was just mean. It was just mean. Um, So this, this, she's got this ginormous hat collection, like you were saying. Um, And then it's like super windy in the hall because they like open too many windows or whatever. And her hat flies off and she's it turns out she has such a big hat collection because she's bald and he throws a big stink and is like Prince Humperdinck sucks, but that's not really how it comes off. Well, and wouldn't it be funnier if it was like some minor like it would a 
Like if it was something like I'm trying to think. Like if 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 he just was like, oh, uh something stupid, right? Yeah, like, like oh, I like even if it was like her eyes are two different colors. Right, or even because her like, eyes are too that's big such or something. A subjective thing. Yeah. It because like some people could think eyes of two different colors are cool mm-hmm. and beautiful. But like the fact that he's like, How dare you think that I would ever take a bald bride? Is just like right. again with the fucking body shaming. Mm-hmm. I actually think it would be really funny. I mean, it would it would heighten a couple of things too, if it was something like her hair is too blonde or something right like something like that's where he's like that slight imperfection which is a nothing Mm -hmm. like isn't even a quality that people notice Mm -hmm. right so then it shows that he is fucking insane and that buttercup is that perfect because then he's like i you know what i thought i didn't care about looks because at first he didn't he's like i thought i didn't care about looks but then i took one look at her oh right and and what, what was Remember um, our, our our character in, in our story that we wrote for the live stream? What was her flaw? Her... Oh God, I can't remember. Her ankles it, or elbows or something. Or it's like bullshit. her eyelashes or eyebrows or something or like something. I forget. But something like that, right? Yeah. Like that her ring finger is slightly oh, too long. Earlobes. Right. She has her like small earlobes. earlobes or something. Yes. Yes. Right. Something like She's that, like, right? you love me even though I have like tiny earlobes yes yes so like truly if he was like i thought i didn't care about looks but one but one look at those disgusting small earlobes made me yes. want to murder her so that get her out funnier. of my fucking sight we so are then it funnier shows, yes so then it shows that he is insane and that buttercup is so beautiful and so perfect i just feel like that because right, if the if it's the villain, the joke always needs to be on the villain. And here it's on her. It's on her. Yep. I agree. So that's another part where I was like, this isn't cute. And guess what? Not in the movie. Oh, it isn't good. Yep. Um, so yeah, that happens. Then he's like, No, I need somebody who's perfect. And the count is like, it just so happens that I know of a farm girl. <laughs> And so they <laughs> go and they get Buttercup and she's like, I'm sorry, I can't marry you. I will never love you. And he's like, great. If you offered it, I wouldn't even want it. And she's like, okay, because otherwise he's going to kill her if she refuses him. Yeah. She's like, well, I guess I may as well be rich. If you understand that I will absolutely never love you, then sure, why not? And he's like, bitch, I'm not interested in love. All I want is to be king and to have an heir. All and she's I like, like is fine. hunting. That's right. I'm required to do this stupid ass thing, like get married and have children. So whatever. Oh, also, um, he it, on the back of the book. It was so funny because on the back of the book, it's like the most handsome prince in the world. And I was like, the book does not think he's handsome. No. The book ha- makes no claim about his attractiveness. No, he's like a weird. He he's like a very thick frightening man yeah he's like um you know like very uh like bearish kind of yeah um a um, bull you know, of a i man. guess you know what right now what are we doing body shaming that's true well i i, I actually 
I'm going to say what I said before. The book makes no claim about his attractiveness. Yes. So we'll we'll stick to that. The book yeah. is, d- does not say he's attractive. So that's a but, lie. So it was just weird to me because it was like well, the most handsome person in the world. Sex. So like, what are you mm, talking there's about? Not. There's not. Nope. It's a very chaste story. Yep. Um. So yeah, she's like, uh, fine. So then mm-hmm. she spends like three years learning how to be royal, um, which also doesn't happen in the movie. And that's like another side joke of William Goldman's is like, I'm cutting out all this stuff about her learning to be royal because it's all satire on royalty and who cares? Let's get back to the adventure. So la la la, she's out riding one day. She gets kidnapped by three people. Vizzini, the uh, clever Sicilian, who is a hunchback. Um, Which is not the case in the movie. No. In right? the movie, it is just... Um, a guy. Wallace Shawn. Right. Who's fantastic. Great. Um, and he's just very small. He's okay. a petite gentleman. Um, and then Inigo Montoya, the uh, Spaniard, who is a wizard swords person. Yes. Played and by Mandy Patinkin, correct? Yes. In the movie? Yes. Okay. Who is... Fantastic. I mean, Mandy Patinkin is amazing in everything he does. Oh, yeah. I think Wonderful he's a pill, man. but amazing in everything he does. <laughs> I've heard he's a pill. Um, and then you have Andre the Giant playing Fezzik the Giant, mm-hmm. who is the muscle of the group and mm-hmm. very sweet and loves rhyming. Mm-hmm. Um, and we get Fezzik's backstory in the book and we don't in the movie, but I found his backstory not as charming and just very sad. <laughs> It was just sad and so like kind of like long. Yeah, it's just like his parents raised him to be a fighter because like obviously he couldn't do anything else, but actually he hates fighting. He's just this very gentle person and he only ever seems like a bully because he's so big and so people picked on him because they knew that he'd never fight back. So we get his whole backstory. But so Fezzik's a sweetheart, but they really depend on Vizzini because he is the brains of the group. And they are just sort of like adrift without him because Inigo could never find the six-fingered man. And when he couldn't like fulfill his life's purpose, he kind of fell apart and became an alcoholic. Mm-hmm. So they kidnap her because Prince Humperdinck has hired them to because the plan is to murder her, make it look like Gilder do it so that he can go to war and take over Gilder. Then they are chased down by a man in black. And the man in black gains on them even when he shouldn't follows them up the cliffs of insanity which is just like a just like a wall of cliffs there's no incline it's just straight up Mm -hmm. um he's somehow able to start climbing there Vizzini's like says inconceivable all the time even though it's happening Mm -hmm. he's like Inigo you stay here fight him with your sword make sure you kill him and he goes like got it Fezzik, Vizzini, and Buttercup in tow run off. Inigo mm-hmm. fights him. The man in black defeats him. They both appreciate each other. It's like a very fun sword fight. My favorite scene in the movie. Um. Oh, also, he keeps saying inconceivable. And uh, Inigo keeps saying, um, what is it? I don't, that word don't, doesn't mean what. Yeah, I don't think what that word means what you think it means. Okay, let me tell you something about this line. Mm-hmm. People love to fucking quote this line. People, I do love... not think that word means what you think it means. Yep, I'm gonna tell you something, and I'm gonna, t- I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you something. This is a personal thing. Um, I 
really do <laughs> not like when people quote movies or TV or anything like that in normal conversation. To me, it's similar to like a pun. Like I don't like. It is the humor of the unfunny. Yeah. To just yeah. quote other people's jokes. Like people who constantly quote Simpsons or mm -hmm. Adam Sandler movies or mm -hmm. Will Ferrell mm -hmm. movies. And I am sorry, mm -hmm. but it's a specifically male trait. Mm, I disagree. Possibly only cis male. No. It, I have seen many NB people and female uh, I, I, it oh, is really? everybody. It, yes, typically it is in my unbearable. life, it is it has been a a like cis male trait. Okay, here's what I'm going to tell you, and this is why it's different. I think for me, mm -hmm. because I run around in the nerd circle a lot. Ah, yeah, it's a nerd thing it's to a do. Nerd trait. Yeah, it's a nerd trait. Duh, Lindsay. So like, and, and I think puns are also a nerd trait and I cannot stand puns. I think it's the same world of that. If you make an accidental pun, I think that's funny. Mm -hmm. But if you force one into fucking conversation, if you do that or nothing will bring a conversation with me to a screeching <laughs> fucking halt more than if you're like, uh, I don't know how to describe it here. You know what? You know what's weird though? I'm, I'm going to tell you two different instances, one where I thought the quoting was okay. Mm -hmm. um, and then another cool. where I was extremely annoyed. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. So one, uh, I remember one time my roommate was coming home from work and this was around when Mad Men was airing. And I was like, uh, like I, I was just like, hey, how was your day? And he was like, not great, Bob. And I was like, that's actually, I don't know why, but I'm not filled with rage at this moment. Hmm. I don't know why. It, I think because it was short, I don't know. But when, Here's, but if, at least go for ahead. me, yeah. the difference between being annoyed by it and fine with it, and maybe this is just because how I view myself to quote things, mm. mm -hmm. and I am obviously biased in my favor. Mm -hmm. If it just becomes like a part of your vocabulary and you throw it out there, Mm -hmm. versus delivering it yes. to someone as yes. though it is your joke. Well, and, and constant. it's also a very teenage thing. Mm -hmm. Like before you really formed your own sense of humor. It's like in Freaks and Geeks, and it's like very cute how in Freaks and Geeks, the, the geeks are constantly quoting Caddyshack or Saturday mm -hmm. Night Live or something. Um. It's just a very teenage thing. You don't really have a great sense of humor well, developed before you yet. Get your so own you voice. and your friends yeah. just quote the things that you love. Mm -hmm. So it's the difference between like th throwing it out as though it's like an answer to something. Because yes. it sort of, it sounded like in that example you gave, it came up organically. Yeah. Well, because it was literally, he had had a bad day. Mm -hmm. And I was so, like, how was your day? And he just said, not great, Bob. And, and, and it was done. Oh, you know what it is, Lindsay? Mm -hmm. Okay. So it's, just doing it and it's part of your vocabulary, like you said. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm going to add an addendum to why the other way is bad. Okay. And it is if someone like looks me in the eyes and like is trying to make me agree 
that they're quoting from something. Yes. And their hope 100%. is for me to be like, oh, season four, episode two of The Simpsons. Like, I'm like, I'm not fucking interested in connecting with you on this. <laughs> I absolutely if am not. If you require energy from me. Yes. And like a continued, a particularly like 100%, I think that is a thought I've had before where it's like you require me to acknowledge what you're doing and maybe like a step further you are expecting yes. me to no. finish oh, the scene oh, no, with you no 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 i will not no. i cannot absolutely not absolutely i because a right the pressure of like <laughs> like because if you do it wrong that person's gonna be like no no it's this and you're like i truly like, what if i don't want to throw it? myself into the ocean i do not want to have any fucking part of this fucking mm-hmm. play acting shit it's and I'm going to tell you, okay, okay, most unbearable, most, oh, most unbearable for some reason to me. And I, and, and the thing is, I don't dislike the source material, mm-hmm. but someone being like, okay, now I'm going to quote Monty Python and the Holy Grail at you. I'm like, I want to fucking die. <laughs> like, I, <laughs> I like truly the idea that like, I am supposed to knights that say knee back at you is absolutely abhorrent to the type of person I am. Like, I, I feel fucking sick. a hundred percent understand. I wonder if it's a, so I said it was like a, in my life, a primarily cis male thing, but that's like, mm. because as a teenager and college student, I, to my knowledge, did not have but one um, trans male friend. Mm -hmm. And I don't particularly remember him doing this. I only Mm -hmm. remember cis men doing this. Mm. Far less so women, because I think particularly in that time period, Simpsons, Saturday Night Live... Bill Murray movies, Adam Sandler, blah, blah, blah. These are all like things that were like, quote unquote, for boys. Yeah. And Marketed towards boys. Mm-hmm. On top of that, and there are always exceptions. So please understand that I am generalizing knowingly. Also, white properties. Oh, very. It's extremely white properties. So in my mind, this was this has always been a very like white cis male thing to do because it's Mm. always been like and unfortunately, and this is where we get back to Princess Bride feels very white to you. It's because Mm. Princess Bride is one of the top quote offenders of people. I along with the Simpsons fucking Princess Bride. I understand that it is a highly quotable movie. The problem is it was abused by people who were doing it in the way that we have been talking about. Yes. Yes, exactly. I. um, What's weird is while that phrase sticks in my head very well, it's not mm -hmm. like that fun or funny to say. There are so many better lines No, but people like to say it in the same cadence and the same, and then the- The, the Spanish accent. Yeah, and then if you, as the recipient- (laughs) <laughs> of this quoting go like uh they'll be like the princess bride and you're like no i i know <laughs> you know inconceivable yeah mm. got it i got it <laughs> good, um good work on knowing that thing that you like very well 
Yes. That I have I, given no indication that I like. Okay. I know that I keep going back to, <laughs> I know that I keep going back to the fucking Monty Python, but I want to tell you like basically that another th- one. Yes. It, that this is truly, okay. So in high school, <laughs> in debate, uh-huh. we had to mm-hmm. do, um, there was this thing that you could, we had the debate portion. And then I think during a certain season, we would do individual events, which were a little more creative. So you could do expository, which is teaching people things. And I forget the name of this one. Um, but there's one where like, you can do a monologue from a movie or something and like, uh, act it out. So it was like for theater kids that were um, doing debate. Um, what is that called? So I looked it up and it is called humorous interpretation or H I. And okay, I, I and and I'm gonna preface this by saying I did plenty of very embarrassing fucking events for debate. Like I did this thing called expository, which mm-hmm. you teach people. Uh, it's just to teach someone about something. And so I did how to flirt, even though I had never, I, I was not good at it. And so I was like, this is what you did. Like truly it, very embarrassing, <laughs> completely mortifying. Okay, so there was this mm-hmm. girl and just i just want you to understand like this when i thought of like things like the princess bride and like monty python and all that this is what i think of and it's from high school this girl was like very very conservative very prudish very uh uh christian okay Uh uh-huh and she did this thing called humorous interpretation uh for her individual event um Mm -hmm. which was basically you're not allowed to have any props um, and you perform, I'm just going to read what it is. Using a play, short story, or other published work, students perform a selection of one or more portions of a piece up to 10 minutes in length. Humorous interpretation is designed to test a student's comedic skills through script analysis, delivery, timing, and character development. Competitors may portray one or multiple characters. No props or costumes may be used. Um, performances can also int- include an introduction written by the student to contextualize the performance and state the title of the and the author. Okay. So this girl did this performance of um, Monty Python and the Holy Grail. You know the part when like, so the whole bit in that with the knights is that they don't have actual horses and that they just like hold these coconuts and like that makes the horse sound. So they just kind of like run around doing the coconut sound, which is like funny enough. (laughs) How I think it's hilarious. However, I understand if this has been tainted. No, no, no. That part is funny. Okay. And I actually think that that the Holy Grail is funny. I've watched it uh, many times with my dad. I, I think it is funny. However, there is something about removing the coconuts themselves. <laughs> you're not allowed to have props. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. And, yeah. And, and add to that being kind of like a goody goody. Like, have you ever, have you watched Dairy Girls? I haven't yet. No. Okay, there's just a character that's like a real kiss ass and is like very like, I noticed we're not looking at this and like that kind of, behavior like mm-hmm. very um goody goody so this girl was like that and she did a performance where she had to play multiple nights and was like tromping around in place doing a fake coconut sound with her mouth while also having to deliver lines um, um no <laughs> bad idea and so like that to me <laughs> is the same was like no is like um con- like 
a condensed version of quoting a movie, you know? Yeah. Where it's like this. Yeah, no, that's uh, that's what I meant. It's like, yeah. 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 Where it's just like, yeah. (laughs) They share an essence. To to boil it down, reduce it. It's that. (laughs) It's a reduction. uh, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Reduction sauce of quoting. Yes. So like, that's what I think think of when people and I think it's exactly that because there have been times where like I have recalled myself quoting something and I know you have but it's just oh this is part of my vocabulary I'm just going to say it as opposed to okay like I'm waiting is anybody going to say what that's from yeah doing a performance yes 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 and requiring the other person to perform with you which is rude or even to requiring the other person to be like, oh yeah, that's from, yeah, that's from, uh, that's from Anchorman. <laughs> cool, great, good work. Like whereas, like milk was a bad idea or a bad choice, mm-hmm. is something I like to say, but I almost say it for me and not mm-hmm. the other person, or I'll say. Mm-hmm. I'll say like everything's coming up Millhouse just as a phrase. Yeah, it's exactly that where you just say it. Um, like this is just what I say when I feel like things are going my way. Yes, yes. I'm I'm thinking of, and that's the difference for me. Or like, okay, here's here's one where, for some reason, if Heineken comes up, <laughs> I'll say like Heineken, fuck that shit, Pabst Blue Ribbon. Like and that is, but I don't ju- know what that is. I'll, but as long as you're not expecting from, somebody to go, I, but that's uh, the thing. As long as you're not essentially then looking at them like, eh, eh, right. Or I'm never going to say Heineken, fuck that shit. And then like, wait until someone in the ether is like, Pops blue ribbon. It's from blue velvet. It's a very stupid film school oh. reference. And I like not, it, it's dumb. But and I only recalled it because I was watching that last night and uh, uh, Micah was in the other room. And when the Paps Blue Ribbon part came up, he like shouted along with it. And he was like, God, everybody quoted that in fucking film school. So like <laughs> it is a very annoying. I think that's what it is. It's 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 quoting for recognition or like forcing somebody else to participate with you as yeah. opposed to just like, I'm just going to say it and I don't care. We're moving on. Or like, here's here's an exchange that Mike and I had just last night, actually, that is an acceptable version, in my opinion. Okay. He was talking about this um, other guy he follows on Instagram who's also very into toys like Mike is. And he'll post stuff that's like, Mike may as well have posted that. And he's like, mm-hmm. it's like seeing myself in a mirror. It's like, it's like when Milhouse saw the kid from Shelbyville who looked just like him. And I mm-hmm, said, mm-hmm. so this is what it feels like when doves cry. Because that's yeah. the line that he says when he sees the kid from Shelbyville. So it's like he mm-hmm. was merely he was, but he was compa- he was making a right. comparison to the scene without expecting me to perform exactly. And then I, because I knew the scene, set a reference from it, and that's a here's fair exchange. <laughs> yes, because here's what it was: he opened the door. You know what I'm saying? He yep, opened exactly. it, and it was like you can go through if you want, not. Well, it wasn't even that. This, it was like, the like the the respectful like I'm going to tell you what the comparison is. 
Mm-hmm. It wasn't. Well, he was like, just making a comparison with no expectation that you were gonna that you had to do this exactly. The, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. He wasn't assuming yeah. I would know what he meant. He was just making a funny comparison. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Or like, okay, here's 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 an example from also last night. Hmm. Uh, I was like shouting about something, like being you know just annoying and shouting, and uh, and I I think I was just like. I don't know what to tell you. Like I was just saying it that way. Mm-hmm. And then Micah was like, you sound like Doc from Deadwood. And then I did the impression of Doc yes. from Deadwood. Cause he was, he was like, you sound just like that. And then I was like, that all I'm asking Trixie is for you, you know? And, and it was, he was like, oh, you sound like that. And then I did it. And then he did it. And then we were done. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know how to describe well, it. It's, because it's like you've been given an opening. Like you said, it's like, I'm going to, I'm opening this door. I'm not requiring yeah. you to, I, it's not like all of a sudden I've pulled you on stage and I've given you your cue and now I'm expecting to say the line that only I know I have scripted for you. Yes. And okay, here's the other part. Um, and, and I think this comes from kind of being a lot in the nerd world um, where people do quote that kind of stuff a lot is that it's it it goes from being a conversation to a performance and i am now an audience member mm-hmm. and that's disrespectful to me and boring because then it's like oh i'm just gonna like watch you <laughs> watch you go okay. yeah oh cool okay <laughs> yeah yeah so i think so anyway I, maybe unfortunately I am yeah making, princess yeah. bride is that yeah, and I think people. it's unfortunate because it's. I think it's a similar thing to like Rick and Morty and Rick and Morty fans, where it's mm-hmm. like it, it's that. So I, I'm excited to watch the movie. We should. Well, are we gonna? We we're gonna do a minisode on it, right? Yeah, let's. Okay, so I'll watch it for the first time, and you've seen it many times, and we'll talk about it. Cool. And I I am hopeful. I think so because you and I generally have this. We have very similar taste. Um, yeah with stuff so i think it'll i'll probably enjoy it a lot it's a um, much sweeter version than the book yeah it's like it, yeah it all it yeah i i hope and am hopeful that you will like it as well i think so so they <laughs> capture her uh they're on uh yeah, so the, wesley, the man in black is like following them it's wesley Inigo. yeah <laughs> big shock defeats Inigo, Vizzini, Fezzik, and Buttercup see that he has. And so Vizzini is like, okay, now Fezzik, you stay here. Beat him with brute strength. Throw a rock at his head when he's not looking. And Fezzik's like, that's not very sportsmanlike. I'll just alert him to my presence with a rock, and then we'll fight fairly. And then the man in black wins again. And then he catches up. And he doesn't kill Inigo or Fezzik. Yeah, because he's a good guy, because he's Wesley. Mm-hmm. And then he catches up with Fazzini, and he's and Fazzini is like, "Well, I I'm no match for your strength, but it, so if you come near me, I'm gonna slit her throat." And Wesley's like, "Okay, well, I challenge you to a battle of wits. Then I will put poison in a wine goblet, and you have to get guess which goblet I put it into." So he puts it in the goblets, sets them down in front of him. And Vizzini, this is another extremely quotable scene. 
um, particularly the never like he's like so they 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 do it. Vizzini is like thinks he's so smart. He keeps saying like, well, I can't choose the one in front of you because like you would never be so stupid as to drink poison. And you think I would switch. And he just keeps going through all these reasons why I can't choose the wine in front of you, but I can't choose the wine in front of me, but I can't choose the wine in front of you, but I can't choose the wine in front of me. And then he goes, what's that over there? And Wesley turns, he switches the goblets and he's like, oh, nothing, I guess. Well, good to go. Thinks that Wesley put it in Vizzini's goblet. They drink. Vizzini dies. Buttercup is like, oh, so it was in your glass. And he's like, no, it was in both. I've spent the last two years building up an immunity to that poison. Mithridatism. Mm-hmm. That's what that's called. We learned about that from uh, that Holly Black book. Oh, uh, I didn't remember that. But the yeah. extremely quotable line in that one is like, you've fallen, you've fallen victim to one of the two classic blunders. The first is never get involved in a land war in Asia, which is a joke about Vietnam. Mm. Which took me a very long time to get as a, uh, obviously did not understand it as a child, even though I would laugh mm-hmm. at it because children will laugh at things where they can tell that it's a joke pattern. Mm-hmm. 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 And the second is never get involved with a Sicilian when death is on the line and then he drops dead. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So then Man in Black grabs Buttercup. They run, run, run. Buttercup's like, why are you being so mean to me? And he's like, because you're a traitorous bitch. And she's like, how would you even know? And he's like, because I do. You think that you are so great, but like, blah, blah, blah. Because it turns out it's Wesley. Wesley is bitter that she agreed to marry Humperdinck, even like. He doesn't realize that she thought he was dead. Or it's like in the, it's it's like, well, you should have known that not even death could stop me from getting to you. Right. And it's like both sweet and very insulting is being really mean. <laughs> mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And and she pushes him down a ravine and is like, you can fucking die for all I care. And he says, mm-hmm. as you wish. She goes, as you wish. Gives him away. And then she jumps in after him and they reunite. And you actually get that scene in the movie instead of this stupid fucking bit. Oh, I hated book. that. It's just, it's like, it's not that it's all these things are unfunny. It's just like. All right, so you and I did improv for a long time. Mm-hmm. It is the exhaustion of somebody who won't stop doing bits. In when you're trying to yeah. have a real conversation, and they will not stop doing fucking insincere bits with you. Mm-hmm, so instead mm-hmm. of just writing the scene where they reunite, William Goldman interrupts and is like, "He never wrote that scene, but I did. But my editor wouldn't let me put it in because he thought that that wasn't really cool." that I'm like cutting things out of his but putting in things of mine so if you really want to read it please write to my publisher at blah 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 and include your return address and they will send you my three-page scene of them reuniting anyway back to the story it's very um okay because like he's he's being very like I got you in the palm of my hand reader and it, and me as the reader I'm like yeah you do I'm reading your book <laughs> cool <laughs> All right. You got me. I have no choice but to keep reading. Anyway. Do you think anybody actually sends? I was thinking about doing it now. Yeah. Is it going to return to sender? Probably. Probably the publishers do not exist as they once did. Mm-hmm. So 
then they're like running, running, running. They have only one place to escape because now Prince Humperdinck is on their tail because he's the greatest hunter who's ever lived. He's on their tail. They have to escape into what is called a fire swamp, which is like a regular swamp, but with ash instead of water, giant rodents that attack you and little like fire puffs now and then. Mm -hmm. They fall in the ash, dig themselves back up. They fight a rodent, la, 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 la. They come out the other end. Prince Humperdinck is there. It's like, ooh, bummer. He's going to kill Wesley, Buttercup. And this is a change in the movie. Maybe I won't even say what the changes are anymore. Okay. And just discover for yourself. So in the book, Buttercup is like, will you let him live if I still agree to marry you? And Prince Humperdinck's like, yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And she turns to Wesley and she's like, better that you live because like I've already promised to marry him and my promise means something and like I can live without love so it was great to see you again though well yeah because also she's like I don't want to (laughs) die so I don't want to die and so it's either die or be queen again and I lived without your love fine so Mm -hmm. goodbye Mm -hmm. and she leaves and now it's Wesley and Prince Humperdinck. And Wesley's like, you're not going to let me live. And he's like, no, I'm not. <laughs> yeah, I know. I liked that. So he sends him to his zoo of death in which he fights and tortures animals. Ugh. The plan is to torture Wesley because the Count is going to torture Wesley because he loves pain. Prince Humperdinck just likes killing. It's the Count who loves pain. So la la la, Buttercup mm-hmm. goes back. Inigo and Fezzik wake up. They go back to their lives of not knowing what to do without Vizzini. Inigo becomes a drunk again. Fezzik is just like being abused by villagers. Buttercup's going to marry Prince Humperdinck. She starts having these terrible dreams. In one of the dreams, an old woman boos her. In another dream, and this is very interesting, she dreams she has a kid and the baby goes to feed at her breast and is like, this milk is sour as fuck because it's without love because you're a traitorous bitch. (laughs) (laughs) weirdly i had a dream last night in which i had a baby and that baby would not feed at my breast Uh uh-oh isn't that weird i have not read this part of the book yet whoa very (gasps) weird i've never had a dream like that in my life and the baby was talking a bunch and telling me about lives it had before that it remembered and i was like that's creepy I that love is it. creepy. I love it when kids are creepy. Um, my dream mm-hmm. is very similar, Lindsay, in that um, I was talking to my cat and uh, Smokey, <laughs> and he was on the back of the couch, and I was like, "Hello," and then he was going, "Hello," and then we were just saying it back and <laughs> forth to each other, and then I was, oh, and then I was like, "Micah, Micah, come look," and then we were both like, "Hello." To, to each other, me and Smokey, and then I woke up. <laughs> so it was exactly the same. <laughs> totally the same. Totally the same as like having your kid tell you about past lives they remember and refusing to breastfeed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly the same. Uh-huh. Um, oh, oh, really quick. Mm-hmm. Uh, just something that my mother said that I was like, this is a very boomer thing for you to say. <laughs> so um, Smokey was very bad and he um mm. got into my sandwich like mm. i wasn't looking and he like took the top off and ate all the meat <laughs> and so i and it was really bad because 
it was on a tray on our bed because I was laying in bed because I wasn't feeling well. And so he dragged the fucking mustard all over the bed. So oh, now no. we had to like wash our duvet and everything. But anyway, so I tell my mom about this mm-hmm. and she goes, you should have set up a camera to film it because then if you could get it on film, you could sell the video. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> what is it? The like, 90s? I was like, truly like, does she think it's going to go to like America's funniest home videos? <laughs> Sometimes she'll text me and she'll be like, go to channel four, which first of all, I don't have network TV. So she's like, go to, ch- go to channel four, funny videos of dogs and cats, America's funniest home videos. And I was like, and I'll just be like, okay. <laughs> but, but like, I, I didn't even reply to her. I was just like, That's in my head though, I was like, sell to whom? <laughs> uh, sorry to, to distract. Uh, just no, mother, that's, mother. That's very funny. You um, can sell okay, it. wait. So what happens next in the story? Um, I've been talking a lot. Do you want to take over? I don't remember where we are. Oh, okay. Uh, 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 so she's happens? having dreams. And then she has one where she has a kid and the kid calls her a murderer and she, oh, right. It's just like, it's like 60 days till the wedding and she keeps having all these nightmares and she can't take it anymore. And she goes to Prince Humperdinck and she's like, I'll never stop loving Wesley. I realize that now. Um, so if you don't let me go to him, I will kill myself. That's right. And he's like, oh my God, I don't want to get in the way of you and the love of your life. I understand. Um, I'm going to send my four best ships. And they're going to go find him because he is probably on a boat that's here. So we'll find him and we'll give him your message and he'll come and he'll help you. And she's like, oh, my gosh, thank you so much. Uh, I didn't know you were this thoughtful. And he's like, I am. He's and like, she's well, like, okay. I thought that I wouldn't fall in love with you, but I actually have fallen in love with you. And I would never want to see you suffer. But. If he doesn't come, mm-hmm. would you consider marrying me instead? Because she's like, like you uh, did okay. kind of hurt him. He might not right. want you anymore. And she's like, oh, wow. I hadn't thought of that. That is a possibility. Yes, I agree to marry you if he doesn't come. And he's like, great. And she leaves and he's like, I'm going to marry her and then murder her. And then I can do my whole war thing that I wanted to do. Plus, Wesley's being tortured to death in my zoo. So everything's fine. Everything's coming and up Millhouse. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the Simpsons. <laughs> uh-huh. Now you say the line that comes next. <laughs> and then I'll say the line after that. And then we'll do the entire episode together. <laughs> um, so then. Uh, so meanwhile, Zoo of Death. Oh, right. Zoo of Death is happening. Oh, uh, uh, Fezzik and uh, Inigo have reunited. Mm-hmm. They're like, great. Uh, uh, the Fezzik had been like working for the like hordes of like thieves and stuff that had been hired by uh, the castle, the count to like protect the castle. And Anigo finds him and he's like, look, I need um, we need to find uh, the man in black because he's smart. Be- we need a smart person. We're bad. That's at right. They're like, our smart person's gone. <laughs> so we need a smart person. And he beat uh, he beat uh, in- all conceiv- three of us. In- conceiv- yeah. yeah. And he'd be inconceivable guy. So he is even smarter than him. So we need to be able to get into the castle and he'll be able to help us. Uh, so we need to find him. They can't find him. Uh, then. 
Oh, oh, meanwhile. Count has built a machine called That machine's creepy. Oh, yeah. Yes. It is creepy. It's like a bunch of suction cups, and it literally sucks away years of your life. And Wesley had been fine with the torture. He's, like, very, very strong. He could disassociate from his body and not feel any pain. However, he busts out the machine. He's been testing it on him. Wesley is crying every night. Really, really hurts. He's taking away a year of his life at a time. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, Buttercup has figured out that Prince Hopper didn't send shit. He's no, and he never liar. was going to. She realizes that. She's like, I'm getting smarter by the second. No one gives me credit for it. And I'm like, yeah, you are, Buttercup. Fuck all these dudes. And... She's like, because you're a fucking coward. The reason that you're obsessed with hunting isn't because you love hunting for the sport of it. It's because you're a fucking coward and you're trying to prove yourself to yourself that you're not. And he's like, how dare you? I'm locking you in a room and I'm going to go and I'm going to suck 20 fucking years out of your boyfriend because I don't want to admit it, but you're 100% right and I'm afraid. (laughs) Yes. And he goes and it kills Wesley. And Nico hears his scream recognizes it as the man in black. And he's like, that's the sound my heart made when the six-fingered man killed my dad. They go to the zoo of death. They have a very unexciting adventure in the zoo of death. So boring. That is very, very boring. They find Wesley. They bring him out. They bring him to a um, miracle worker, Miracle Max, who was fired by the castle. Very bitter about it. Very insecure now because it's been three years since he's worked a miracle. They're like, you need to bring this man back to life. He's like, why? And he pumps Wesley full of air. And then he pushes on his chest. He's like, why do you need to come back to life? And Wesley says, true love. And they're like, see, true love. And Miracle Max is like, that's not what he said. He said to Blave, which means to bluff because he's a gambler. And I'm not bringing him back for that. (laughs) (laughs) And then his wife comes out. And he's like, you're a fucking liar, you fucking coward. And he's like, get the fuck out. You're a witch. I'm not a witch. I'm your wife, you little baby. You just hate, mm-hmm. you're just mad at Prince Humperdinck. And he's like, oh, well, he actually is off. Like, his true love is Prince Humperdinck's bride-to-be. So it's like, we're really going to humiliate Prince Humperdinck if you bring this guy back to life. He's like, great. That is all the motivation That I was need. what he needed. We get another interruption from William Goldman. He's like, by the way, there's this whole long adventure where they go and they seek out the ingredients that Miracle Max needs to bring Wesley back to life. I don't feel like including it. Anyway, back to the scene. He's made the pill. Hooray. Puts it in his mouth. Wesley wakes up immediately. Do you want to take over? I've been talking a lot again. Okay. You don't have to. I can keep going. No, no, no. It's okay. Um... I will give you a little bit of reprieve from speaking. <laughs> so, okay. So then they um, they get into this zoo. They're like... No, they already did the zoo. Oh, wait, no, no. Wait, wait, they already did the zoo. So then... Um, oh, so they're trying to sneak into the castle and they're like, oh my God, how are we going to get through? And then Fezzik's like, well, guess what? In that mystery adventure that I did off page, I have this um, like Harry Potter invisibility cloak. So... We can wear that and sneak in. So then they sneak in. Um, they, uh, unfortunately, Miracle Max is like, oh my gosh, I don't really remember if I did the recipe right because, like, 
I think actually he's only going to be alive for 40 minutes and then we don't know what's going to happen. And they needed 60 minutes. But oops. <laughs> and then <laughs> and they go like it's like a countdown. Prince Yeah, they keep showing like it is now wedding. this time. Yeah, it's yeah. like 524, 531, mm-hmm. back at 527. These people mm-hmm. are doing this. And it's this whole like they're breaking into the castle. Prince Humperdinck rushes the wedding. They go back inside the castle. They all get in the castle. And Nigo goes after the count, who he now knows to be the six-fingered man. They have a f- very fun battle. He gets sliced in the belly. Mm-hmm. He's not doing well. But he does manage to uh, defeat the count anyway. To best... To, yeah, to best the count anyways, he comes in to the room where, so basically uh, they've propped, because uh, 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 Wesley is like slowly getting control of his body back, but it's like only his, like he, he can't really fight very well yet because he it's just like his like face and like torso can move. Mm-hmm. So they like prop him up on this bed and he, like lay the sword next to him and he just like kind of looks like he's relaxing. and um. He 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 finds he, Buttercup, Buttercup finds him about to like stab herself in the chest because now she's had to marry Humperdinck because Wesley didn't come. She was holding out hope he would still come. Yeah, and then Humperdinck comes in, correct? Mm-hmm. Yes, and he's like, "Oh, so uh, face me, like lift your sword." And he and he like fool, he does like a little wits thing with him where he tricks him. Um, I can't really recall the details. He says something like, He's drop just, your sword. Yeah, what happens is Prince Humberdink comes in and he's like, I thought I killed you. And Wesley's like, you were wrong. And he's like, well, now to, de- to the death. And Wesley's like, wrong to the pain. I'm going to cut off all your like your right. nose and your lips and your tongue and your limbs. Um, yes. And... And he's like, you're bluffing. You can't even stand. And Wesley stands and he says, drop your sword. And the, and, the, and Prince Humberdink's like, no problem. You got it. Drops his sword. <laughs> Wesley falls and he's like, oh, you were bluffing. And he and Wesley stands back up and he's like, drop your sword. And he's like, right on it. Sorry, didn't mean to pick it up in the first place. Yeah. He tells Buttercup to tie him up for some fucking reason. It's this whole shit on Buttercup section. Didn't get that part. Don't understand, understand why. That. He's like, tie him up. Buttercup's like, but I'm not very good at it. Can you do it? And he's like, no, I can't do it. And she's like, but why can't you do it? And then Inigo and Fezzik show up and they're like, you need to tie him up. She's like, but why? What's wrong with Wesley? And they're like, woman, do as you're told. And she's like, okay. I yeah. Like, I hate this. Yeah. So they tie um, him up, but not that great because I guess Buttercup sucks at knots. And then mm-hmm. guards show up and she's like, they escape they jump out a window they jump she on. like uses her power as the queen which they don't realize that like that they she's didn't maybe not queen anymore married because yeah he rushed the wedding so much that they were never truly wed right but she's like i'm your queen and i command that you let us pass and they're like oh, okay and then uh, that's like the one moment that she gets to like really be useful mm-hmm. in the entire book and then they run away and then it ends and then he does like a little bit of parentheses and he's like well don't think that this is a happy ending because like as of right now they're getting away but like little do you know that like they're all gonna die and that you know and like uh, Prince Humperdinck gets freed and like Buttercup gets ugly because she gets older and like Fezzik makes a bunch of wrong turns and Inigo gets like 
cut up by some young upstart kid and Wesley like lives the rest of his life in fear because of Prince Humperdinck but like because like life's not fair them's the break but it's better yeah it ends with like life's not fair but it's better than dying the The end end. and I was like what the fuck is this shit (laughs) I'm very curious I actually wasn't as pissed off by that ending like I was just like okay like it's just I'm very curious why though because yeah. it's not as though, like you said, it's not, it's like all of a sudden the book is like, but really this is a story about how life's not that fair. And it's like, no, this was not a story about how life isn't fair. This was a fucking fairy tale. It totally worked by fairy tale rules until all of a sudden you're giving it like a, but who knows what happens ending. Yeah. And everything about him that he had so painstakingly set up like so much backstory for this writer character. Mm-hmm. There's nothing, nothing at the end. So it just felt very unfinished to me. It just fucking like he, why would he end it this way? Right. Right. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm interested to see what the movie is like. I, um, I didn't hate this book. I, I just wasn't as in love with it as I was with the other two books we read. Mm-hmm. I just, um, I re- I liked it so much in college that reading it now and not liking it as much it was to me a huge disappointment. So even yeah. though it's not a bad book, I was very disappointed because I didn't remember that it was an improv bit book. <laughs> it is. It full of bits. I was saying, I was trying to explain to Mike my disappointment and mm. and what I came around to was this is that his super jokey like that's so random kind of tone mm-hmm. I copied that tone because in college yeah I was looking for, you know uh, things I for read were informing my sense of humor yeah. so that informed my sense of humor this is the tone of my live journal and blogspot <laughs> entries. Oh, I'm in the I'm and in this photo and I don't like it. Exactly. That is exactly so it. And I was like I have slowly but surely yeah. trained this tone out of my writing. And yeah. now I'm finding the source and I don't like mm. what I'm seeing. <laughs> no. No. I was like, "Oh, uh, that's where I got this." That's where I got this, like, I'm so in love with my own jokes as I'm writing it. And I'm constantly commenting on my writing as I'm writing. Yeah. And I think I'm being, yes. like, so funny and irreverent and and random and, and caustic and ironic. But I don't like yes. that tone in my writing anymore. And here I was looking right into a mirror, looking right yeah. into a wormhole at my college self going, oh, no. <laughs> oh, dear yeah no 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 and this still creeps into my tweets my twitter account is the last vestiges of that live journal voice of mine and i'll see it and i'll tweet and i'm like oh my god i have to delete this it's got that tone oh my god (laughs) that's funny um i get what you mean though i get that i guess i get that kind of thing when i read like fucking like uh you know that edgelord shit where i'm like oh my god 
That was what I thought I was when I was in seventh grade. Yes. <laughs> like, I like me this, reading like, fucking Kurt Vonnegut and being in seventh grade being like, yeah, I mean, that's how also my, my life experience view. as well yeah. <laughs> as a seventh grader. <laughs> or what was that? Um, uh, fuck that Hunter S. Thompson book. It's like electric something. There's some, I don't know. I was very into Hunter S. Thompson for a while. And I was like, ah, yes, the life that I understand being <laughs> yeah. 13. I also know <laughs> what it is to do a lot of drugs and shoot in the desert. Mm, we are the same. <laughs> Where do you end and I begin? <laughs> so maybe was- my problem is like, I'm re- in reading this, remembering me trying mm. to approximate this to a less successful degree and so that's like all i can see Uh, like my my overarching thought just throughout was you think you're you're so fucking cute and you're a little cute but you're not that cute Mm -hmm. this is the thing i can see you in like with every word being like i am just fucking killing exactly like exactly yeah like all of the i really enjoyed the jokes of like when things when in history this took place there were little parentheses after things and it it would say like how glamorous the countess was she was so glamorous and it's like parentheses she actually invented glamour this was uh after beauty but before glamour and then in parentheses this was actually blue jeans were being worn much earlier than you thought and in in parentheses Mm -hmm. this was before europe but after paris and i was like that's Mm -hmm. very funny i'm enjoying that and then he interrupted to say like all these parentheses were driving my copy editor denise out of her mind she was like how can it be (laughs) taking place here but also there and i was like i don't know that's just the author and i was like i was enjoying your jokes sir (laughs) And then you got really defensive about your joke for some reason and felt like you had to justify your own joke. You know, what was actually that kind of like, I actually kind of chuckled was a Diane part. Denise. When, oh, Denise part when she's like, help. Like she writes like, I don't understand what's happening. Help. (laughs) That part, I, I thought that part was funny. I liked Denise's voice. I was just confused as to why he thought I needed him to interrupt i was like mm. yeah well i got the joke i got that it was a joke you were fine yeah you didn't yeah. have to grind the story to a fucking halt mm-hmm. to tell me it was a joke that's i think that's the problem is that he's getting in the way of his own story yeah um, exactly unfortunately yes unfortunately yes so it's like it's still um, a worthwhile read but like mm-hmm. Don't, it's just not on the level of, it's not on the level I remembered. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Before Warren, um, the movie is better. Okay. I'm excited to to watch the movie Patreon.com. Me too. I really want to, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, I really want to find out <laughs> what you think of it. Yeah. Yeah. I really hope that I'm right that you like it more. <laughs> I think so. I think so. Also, the actors are um, all just so good. Mm-hmm, you, mm-hmm. you can't help but add to the story. <coughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's that's Princess Bride. Princess Bride. We have made a decision about what we're reading next. Yes. 
Um, the next book we're going to do is Howl's Moving Castle by Diana Wynne-Jones. Um, I've already started reading it. Have you started reading it yet? I have not. So far, it's quite cute and delightful. Oh, good. Uh, so I'm happy about that. Yeah, never read um, it. Never seen the movie. And oh, so really? I, I, now our situations will be flipped and we can come at it from both perspectives. Yes, I have seen the movie. I've not read the book. Funnily enough, because a lot of people, their negative feelings were that it doesn't seem like the movie. I actually really disagree. It feels like reading it feels like a Miyazaki. It's so weird. Like it, like the things that the people say and do, I can see Miyazaki characters doing. Because like, you know how sometimes Miyazaki characters, like they'll like be kind of, um, what's the word? Like sometimes like they'll say things that are very unexpected because each character is so like specific. I should admit here now I've seen like two Miyazaki movies and I don't oh, really? remember them very well. Which ones did you see? I know I saw Princess Mononoke about a billion years ago mm -hmm. in college. Mm -hmm. um, and recently saw what is it whisper of the heart the first cat move i saw the two cat movies i saw whisper of the heart and the cat returns whisper of the heart i've never seen that one i think it's miyazaki uh it or is it's, not it's in the section on hbo max <laughs> it is not it's a uh it's uh, uh not miyazaki why is it in that section on hbo max um, I do not know. Maybe it's just it's the a studio. It's in the Studio by... Ghibli section. Isn't that Miyazaki? Is it Studio? Is it Studio Ghibli? Yeah. Um, because I'm seeing its production company is Takuma Shoten. The fuck is this shit? <laughs> oh wait, no, it is Ghibli. It is Ghibli. It is produced by Studio Ghibli. Yeah, yeah. But um, it wasn't actually directed by Miyazaki, I guess. No, no. Okay. Uh, well, I liked that explains something <laughs> that was maybe you didn't like Whisper of the Heart very much. Oh, screenplay, screenplay Miyazaki. Uh. Just wasn't directed by Miyazaki. Yoshifumi um, Kondo. Huh? It was directed by Yoshifumi. Sorry. Yeah. Yoshifumi Kondo. Mm -hmm. um, I liked uh, Howl's Moving Castle, uh, the movie. Um, it's not one of his like most critically acclaimed, um, but I, I don't know. I liked it. Um, my, I think my favorites are, I, I love Kiki's delivery service, like so fucking much. Uh, I do recommend it. It, 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 um, talks a lot about like being a creator. It covers through like allegory, like being a creator and like finding worth in like what you make. And like, I really love it. And also, I just wish I lived that life and worked in a little bakery and had a cute little cat and rode around <laughs> on a broomstick. Like, it's very sure. cute. Um, well, so in a lot of Miyazaki, like, stuff, the characters are all, like, sometimes they'll act in a way that's, like, just very, like, strange and impulsive seeming. But it's because, like, the characters are very, very, very specific. Um, and I, in reading this, I was like, oh... This feels like a book version of Miyazaki, and it very much makes sense that this book is... Like why he would have been attracted to it? 
Yes, yes, yes. Um, uh, so, so far, I, I think it's a perfectly charming, cute, cute story. Um, so that's what we're going to be doing next week. Um, and thank you so much, everybody, seriously, uh, for listening, for supporting our show and to our Patreon supporters too. like, you're really helping us stay alive right now. It's truly, truly. We're very grateful to you. Um, special thank you to our Patreon producers. Thank you, Amanda Nengel. Ann Dwyer. Ashley Fritz. Brian Petty II. Claire Moore. Courtney McPhail. Danielle Lamana. Danny. Emily Pooley. Emma. Emma Murray. Gabriella Santiago. Gianna Fernandez. Grace Armstrong. Jeremy Cronk. Jessica Smith-Harper. Jonathan Venable. Jordan Colwick. Karen Lewis. Kat Miller. Katie Lilly. Katie Olsner. Kelly Burns. Chris Dorina. Landry Desmond. Laura Hooper. Lonnie Martin. Luke Bartek. Mandalay Wolschlager. Marcy Raquel Blackwell. Marco Pavlicic. Melody. Megan Lozier. Micah Eunice. Miguel Camacho. Miranda Hester. Molly Marks. Oscar Gallegos. Randy Klett. Rashad Black. Rogue Kalahua. Sarsha Descaro. Sarah. Sarah Jaggers. Sarah Nichelle. Sarah Wallen. Sasha Gibson. Sydney Bollinger. Tristan Buckner. Victoria Beck. Victoria Gray. Victoria Valdez. And Wendy Bartos. Thank you so much. We appreciate you and we appreciate all of our listeners. (laughs) So we will see you next week. Yeah. And in the meantime, wear a mask, get a vaccine as soon as you're eligible, and keep it creepy. Forever Dog. This has been a Forever Dog production. Executive produced by Kelly Nugent, Lindsay Katai, Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey. For more original podcasts, please visit foreverdogpodcasts.com and subscribe to our shows on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Keep up with the latest Forever Dog news by following us on Twitter and Instagram, at Forever Dog Team, and liking our page on Facebook.